this world. It, it plays very strongly in the Christmas story, I believe, and in the story of of Jesus Himself, and how it how it is that John the Baptist is the only one, as far as I'm aware of, that is prophesied by the prophets of old outside of Jesus himself the prophet spoke of John also so we read here the gospel of Luke I'll read from the fifth verse first chapter fifth verse up to about the 25th and then I might I might look at some of those things later when after after John is born reading these words in Jesus name there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth and they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias. For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither strong, neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, to shew thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed." Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them, and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, Elizabeth, his wife, conceived, and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied unto each one gathered here this morning, now and forever. Amen. I guess... As Shane has already mentioned in his prayer, that this word would be opened to all of us, and and of course, 
our natural side would would always want to bring something new, a new story. But as we sing in some of our songs, tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. It's, uh, it's always interesting to me that God, even through the frailties that we have and are, weaknesses and shortcomings, and we see it here with Zacharias and Elizabeth, that when God wishes to accomplish something, it gets accomplished. And I was listening to a sermon yesterday morning, and and the speaker was saying how how Moses balked at his his uh, responsibilities or being asked to lead the people and and to speak. And he says he's poor of speech, and he's he, he's uh, this and he's that, and he was complaining. And and God says, well, we'll we'll have Aaron speak. He's a good speaker. And and then in the New Testament we read how how it speaks of Moses who was mighty in word and deed. So so we see that God accomplishes things, even though men may balk and men have their wonderings and their doubts as to as to why am I here and and what is my purpose and, and am I serving any useful purpose in this world and and we we sometimes question these things but we see here that that even as it is with all you ladies that have had children we know that when it's when it's time that that child is to be born it comes along and 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 God when he sets in order that something is to happen at a certain time and I, and I think God is timeless actually it's hard it's hard for me to explain and and even understand how how that is but there's a there's a certain time and place that John was to come along and Jesus was to come along and 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 of course each one of us and when it happens God makes it happen and he's able to do that we we can stall and and have our doubts and and uh wonder about things and God will make it happen God is able to work in people's hearts in such a way that and I, and I think I think we see it here we see with this miracle and we see with the miracle of of Mary coming to be with child and how Jesus came into this world in a in a similar fashion not exactly the same Actually, more more miraculous, we might say. But we see that when God wants something to happen, it happens, in spite of us. So our text says there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. I believe that. Zacharias and Elizabeth were were both of that lineage, Levitical lineage, and he was a priest. And just just why the followers of Levi or descendants of Levi were 
were brought to be into that priesthood, I don't know. Maybe maybe someone else knows. But we see that he he was he was following after what he was supposed to do, and he was carrying on and conducting a service. I guess you might say. It says that they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They they weren't people that that we see so much of that they have one foot in the world and and one in the church and and their faith is kind of hinging on all kinds of things that really don't come out of the scriptures friends and and whatever it might be but it says they were righteous before God Jesus talks about righteousness and he says that he, he, he indicates that not even he is righteous, but God is righteous. Here it says these people are righteous, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of God, blameless. They were, they were diligent Christians. They had a, a true heartfelt desire to walk in those ways that God had commanded them. And then we see this this take place and we see the human side coming out. It doesn't mean they lost their righteousness. It means that this is what we all are. We can have our wonderings and our doubts about things. Even even as going back to when when Mary conceived seed and and Joseph didn't want to take her to wife. I'm sure there were rumors going around. And we know we know all about those kind of things. It it's the way we are. It, we're living in this in this militant kingdom. And of course the angel tells Joseph, "Don't be afraid to take her to wife. That that which is conceived in her is is of the Holy Ghost. It's proper and it's great and wonderful and powerful so we see that it says they walked in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were they were both now well stricken in years they were they were past what we call childbearing years and obviously they had prayed about this because it says here that thy prayers are answered Gabriel tells tells Zacharias when, when this is about to happen. But it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So as he's doing his regular job, he was supposed to burn incense. And I don't know the significance of this incense, but I think it's connected to frankincense. That it's part of part of the worship surface ser- service. And we know that the wise men brought gold and frankincense and myrrh to to Jesus. As gifts, and that's that's of course where where our gift giving 
originates. I don't, I don't think a lot of the people in the world even know some of these little, they just seem like little things. Why do we give gifts? Well, we might think, well, we just, we just want to show our loved ones and our children and parents and whatever that we care about them and this is a good tradition. I believe it all comes from the wise men coming and bringing gifts to Jesus. The gold to signify his kingship and the frankincense maybe somebody knows better than I but to, to worship show that we worship and honor this this king of kings and lord of lords who was just a baby boy at the time and then the myrrh has to do with his dying and his burial death his, his suffering and his death and his burial it, it covers the life of Jesus those three gifts he gave kind of got off off the text here but he's burning incense in there part of the, part of the worship service and it says that the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense there appeared unto him, him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense when Zacharias saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him you're in this little room alone and you're performing what he's probably done hundreds of times through the years the burning of the incense all of a sudden there's an angel standing there beside him this isn't this isn't supernatural this, and it, it certainly isn't natural either but it's the way that God was working it says that he was troubled and fear fell upon him If the truth was known, angels stand beside us a lot. There's a picture of, a fairly famous picture some artist has drawn of little children playing near a, a bank and picking flowers or something. And, and this angel is, is uh, winnowing the air there watching for them that they don't fall over this cliff. And I think there's there's much truth in that but here physically he sees an angel standing there beside him and it, and it, it troubles him what, what is this I've never seen this before if, if his mind was goes the way my mind would go I would think that either God has something pretty important to tell me or show me or maybe we might wonder if things are right in our life, having such a unbelievable things happened, as to have an angel standing beside you. The angel says, uh, this is the angel Gabriel we see later. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. We see here that it says that they had no child. And they were both well stricken in years. I don't know if it says their age, but they were old people. They were past that time of life where they could have children. Fear not, Zacharias. See, his fear fell upon him. Fear falls upon man. When different different instances as we as we look through the scriptures, I think 
I think when when Peter was walking on the water and then he took his eyes off Jesus, Jesus says, "Fear not, don't fear." That's, it's it's part of part of our human nature to fear. We we're entering into something we don't understand. We're seeing something that doesn't seem to make sense. It's such a good story that Peter walking on the water and. And I remember as just a little boy hearing ministers say that, that when he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he was doing fine. And then he takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks at the boisterous waves around him. The boisterous waves represent this world and the people of this world. And we fear. It it looks like an overwhelming enemy to us and it looks like something we can't overcome how can I walk on this water with these kind of things around me how can I How can I? my faith is just going to kind of vanish and disappear here Jesus says fear not reaches out his hand to to bring Peter up out of the water he says fear not put your fears aside there's something happening here that is unbelievable and wonderful and great. For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. We'll see later about that name, John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Back in the very last few words of uh, Malachi John is prophesied it says behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers lest they come with a come and smite the earth with a curse we know that I think it's Isaiah talks about that too and, and he says that John there would come one in the spirit maybe I'm wrong with with Elijah but or Isaiah I, f- I forget anyway that that John would come in the spirit and power of Elijah there are there are religions and we might say some of them are even somehow related to Christianity but they believe in reincarnation and then, of course, there are dead faith, heathen faiths that believe strongly in reincarnation. They believe that if you spent your life here a certain way, you might come back as a cat or a dog or some animal of some kind. So far-fetched, it's unbelievable. But there are, there are people who confess the name of Jesus even on their lips and they believe in reincarnation they believe that you'll come back as a as a little baby in in somebody's household or something it is so far-fetched it's unbelievable they haven't read their bible i know that john was not going to become come back as elijah reincarnated and jesus explains that if you pay heed to John the Baptist, this is 
Elijah come back. He would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And we see here that that John was was to be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And I've brought that out before too, how how he he was that filled with the Holy Ghost that when Mary had only conceived seed possibly a week before, and she greeted her cousin Elizabeth, that John leapt in his mother's womb for joy of being in the presence of Jesus, of his Savior. We could be envious of, of his being filled with the Holy Ghost. Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. I, I would like to have a few of John's sermons, because we know that. And, and I guess t- saying that, we probably do hear John the Baptist speaking in sermons, because his word is a living word. And it's always the same. Like I say, we don't bring new messages. We bring that old message of salvation. The people came, and we know that, and we can even see that reading in the annals of history. We can even see that there are times when multitudes of people are in that heart's condition where they are willing to come to God and they're willing to repent of their sin, willing to receive the message that John preached and Jesus preached. It says that it says that John, people came to John's repentance, John's uh, preaching, repenting their sins, putting away their sins. He he was preaching right doctrine, obviously. If that's if that's the fruits of his preaching. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. We know that all through history, right from from Adam and Eve, a Savior is promised. And up until the time that Jesus came, people believed that he would come. And people were anticipating his coming. How will it be? When will it be? How will this take place? How, how is God going to How is God going to send this this savior into this world? And with our natural minds, we we can't even begin to imagine the story, the beautiful story that comes out of this word of how how it was that Jesus came into this world. John was sent to this world to tell about Jesus who would come. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Here's here's Zacharias in this little booth in the back of the temple burning incense and he's told these things. He must have, I guess... In many of these instances, I try and put myself there and think, what would that be like? 
must have been something. To hear these few words might have been something like those angels when this single angel comes to the shepherds and tells, tells them about Jesus being born. They're out there and we'll hear about it through the Christmas stories and season. They're out there tending their flocks, spending probably a long night, one of many, many long nights they spent. And here this, this night was special. And, and then it says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts singing and praising God and saying glory to God peace on earth goodwill toward men it was probably similar to Zacharias listening to this angel what a message I think of him performing this burning of incense maybe many 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 times through the years and all of a sudden he's in there doing the same thing and he receives this visit from the angel Gabriel. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. That's Elijah. He's not, he's not Elijah reincarnated. I think some people actually lean that way, thinking that way, that, that Elijah came back. But as I said before, Jesus says, look to John the Baptist. This is, this is Elijah returning. Because it says he would go before him, before God. John would go before God in the spirit and power of Eli- Elias or Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Our natural thinking and our natural ways don't tend to lead us toward God. We can tend to get off track. We can be offended. Father and son will argue and and daughter and mother and mother and daughter and and we'll start arguing and we go our separate ways. This This is the tendency of man, I believe. It says that when John speaks, he's going to speak in the spirit and the power of Elijah. We know, we know the, some, of the, some of the miracles that Elijah performed and, and was a part of when he walked this earth. And he didn't have a very, we might say, he had a, an, illustri- an illustrious career, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that very many people would want to envy. He had had to tell people what they are and who they are and try and turn them to God. And what does he say about his ministry? He says, I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness. We know that you don't have to be 50 feet from someone and if the wind's blowing right, you can't holler loud enough and they'll hear you. He says that's what he feels like. Like he's hollering into the wind. I I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness. But what did he cry? Make straight the paths 
of the Lord and for the Lord to come come into your life turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just he works the opposite that man's thinking works and causes things to, to, to go the way they do in our lives to make ready a people prepared for the Lord this was John's mission when he came into this world make ready a people prepared for the Lord they came to his his preaching they came to his baptism confessing their sins and he says there there will come one after me who whose shoes I am unworthy to loose he shall baptize I, I baptize you with water but he's going to baptize you with fire the power of the Holy Spirit you know it's, it says of Jesus he didn't baptize anybody he's talking about water baptism but he baptizes everybody with that baptism of fire and the power of the Holy Spirit Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. It doesn't sound like that's that bad a, a statement he made, but, but he, he actually had to suffer for it. The angel answering said, said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee to shew thee these glad tidings and behold thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things be, shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fil- fulfilled in their season and, and it would be so common for us to say and, and understand this that how can you believe this this thing comes up and, and maybe it only took 10 minutes for all this to take place I can't believe it. I can't believe what I've just witnessed and heard. I can't believe this angel standing here. I can't believe what he's saying. It says, Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Your baby's going to be born before you can speak again. He's telling Zacharias, because thou believest not my words, words which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. He comes out, and and there again we might might picture it like, what if it was you or I? What would we do? We would go out there and we'd just be speechless, and, and maybe breathless also. But we weren't speechless because of being in shock. We were speechless because God took away our voice. Because it says because he had his his wondering and his doubts of what would what would happen. My wife and I are well well into old age. We're past these years. How can this happen? But as I said in the first, when God sets it in order that it's going to happen, it will happen so they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple 
He came out probably looking a little bit dumbfounded. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. It was a... People were looked down upon. Nowadays we might say, well, they, they didn't have the right food or vitamins or health, not good health, and, and this is why they couldn't bear children, and, and all these things come in. And they were looked down upon because they didn't bear children. And we know that I've even read much about the native people in this country before before a white man came and, and many tribes couldn't have very many children. Or people. People couldn't have children. Their diet was poor. The conditions were very rough, mean. And we have these natural reasons. But anyways, then we read in the 57th verse, now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had shewed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her and it came to pass on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child they called it, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father and his mother answered and said not so but he shall be called John and they said unto her there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name and they made signs to his father so, so he he can't speak at this point yet how, how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing, Zacharias asked for a writing table and wrote, saying his name is John, and they marveled all. They're going to call him John. And they said, well, there's, there's nobody. You're not naming him after anybody. Nobody in your lineage called John. But Zacharias heard from the angel that his name would be called John. And all of a sudden, after he writes on this tablet and says his name shall be called John, it says his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. He wasn't praising God just because he had gone through this experience of not being able to speak for nine months or whatever it was he praised God because of what was about to take place that this child was born and he would be filled with the Holy Ghost and he would turn all all the reasons that, that we read about he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children the disobedient to the wisdom of the just make ready a people prepared for the Lord this is what John would do Zacharias, I believe he was praising God for that. He, he might have praised God that he could speak again too. But uh, it, it's, it's interesting when he got his voice back that, that that's what he does. First thing, praises God. Fear came on all, the, all that dwelt around about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and the hand of the Lord was with him and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost 
had prophesied. It's interesting that it says of John that he would be filled with the Holy Ghost even even from conception, I guess. And Zacharias, when he gets his voice back, it says he is filled with the Holy Ghost. This Holy Ghost is, is an interesting being. It's the third person in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is God visiting man. And, and we're promised the Holy Ghost if we try and walk in the ways of our Lord. We talk about people believing and people being full of the Holy Ghost, people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That Holy Ghost is that third person of the Godhead that lives and dwells. We teach our little children from birth that Jesus lives in our hearts. Jesus lives in my heart, your heart. He lives by and through the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and in John 16, I think it is, it tells about the, the office of the Holy Ghost. Very important. It gives us judgment. I should read it if I can find it. It talks about this comforter that would come, and that is the Holy Ghost. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. This is the Holy Ghost. This is, this is that that Zacharias is filled with. It's interesting because in, the, in our concept of time, Jesus hadn't even been born yet. But Zacharias is filled with the Holy Ghost. John is filled with the Holy Ghost. When he has come, when he has come, I, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. That's the office of the Holy Ghost. That's, that's we might say, everything we need in a nutshell to, to get through this life. So Zacharias is filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesies, he speaks. And this is what he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to perform to perform the mercy to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, 
that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. It seems like pretty great and powerful things and words here. And then we see how John rebuked Herod for his his ways and his eyeing this young dancing woman and all these things and and he lost his life over it. I think what a what a way for such a great man to have to go. But we know that John had to go so that Jesus could be raised up. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life, and thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. Thou shalt go before the people, the face of the Lord, to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. This is the message. This is the gospel. This is the gospel message. It doesn't get better. When we come in contact with this word, maybe sitting in a service, maybe hearing something on the, on the radio or, or seeing a billboard or wherever, we come in contact with any part of the word. It only takes a few little words. Somebody has written someplace, quoting this Bible, quoting something out of the many, many, many quotations that are here. And it turns people towards God. If they have a true desire to leave the ways of this world behind and seek something better, I believe that's the smoldering flax and the broken reed the scriptures talk about. And he doesn't leave it there. He brings that smoldering flax into a burning flame. People realize they're sinners then. This word teaches that right from the beginning to the end. We were talking about Cain and Abel here a few weeks ago in Bible study. How how did Cain know that... We were talking about the other night too. How was it? God says, says to Cain, your countenance has fallen. What, what's been going on here? He knew he was a sinner. But it seems like he didn't go to the right sources to do something about it. He becomes envious of Abel. Eventually takes Abel's life. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. When we believe in the work that Jesus has accomplished, we realize we can't be a part of him and his teachings and all that he is with sin on our conscience. And the scriptures teach us to bring sin to light. 
bring sin to Jesus. Jesus is found in the hearts and lives the very being of believers that follow Him, have a desire to follow Him. If someone brings their sins or any sin particular to light, we can assure them in the name of Jesus that this is why He came. This is why He lived and died, suffered and died, and this is why He rose again victorious over even that sin that's bothering you today. Believe these things forgiven. Believe in the work of salvation. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring on high from on high hath visited us. To give the to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet under the way of peace. These are the praises that Zacharias was prophesying or preaching and saying. This is what John would do. This is what Jesus would do. John would lead people to Jesus. John is taken out. Jesus has, has been with us. It says the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his shooing unto Israel. Zacharias couldn't help but believe what the angel had told him when he actually saw it happening in his household. Praise God for these things. Praise God for the foundation we have, the heritage we have. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
this evening. There's a service at the little church at 6, I believe. 